Hello, hello, and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to take a quick minute and leave us a nice five-star review, tell a friend. It really does go a long way to help spread the word and help us continue to bring you new music. As always, this show is part of the Pantheon Podcast Music Network. Now, maybe you're getting a little bit tired of me saying this, but I really am so excited for this episode and to bring you this amazing new music from a band that's new to me called Half Moon Run. Today we have Devin Portilla, and we are talking about the band's new album, Salt, which drops on June 2nd. Now, from the opening track through all the tunes on this album, it really caught my ear and engaged me front to back like very few albums do. There's just so much flavor on this album. Devin and I chat about some of these tracks and how they came together, whether it's strumming a ukulele on the beaches of Thailand or scraping through old audio files looking for hidden gems, they are open to all ways of creating their music, and these stories don't disappoint. So please sit back and enjoy Devin Portilla and the beautiful music of Half Moon Run. Devin Portilla, with the beautiful last name, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. How are you today? I'm good, Corey O'Flanagan. I think that's a beautiful last name too. It's very Irish. Appreciate that. Um, so I was just kind of saying to you how impressed I am with this new album. We've got it coming June 2nd. It's called Salt. Um, Half Moon Run, from what I can tell. You guys have been at it since about 2009. I'm always curious when you guys, you know, you're getting into this 14, 15 year stretch what kind of growth do you see on this album from the band, from you guys as songwriters, musicians, now that you can kind of reflect and look back? Oh boy. I mean, it's funny because we brought a lot of songs from that initial era forward and, and finally realized them. So, like um, Alco and uh, Salt even. Um, songs that we couldn't finish back then. So we took, maybe we have more of a craftsman approach where we're able to sit down with something and maybe the initial spark is lost, but you kind of sort through it and chisel away at it and and you find something beautiful in it again that's that's new and then finally able to finish it um so that's one the one thing i mean i think i like to think we're better at our instruments than we were back then <laughs> that typically happens so with time <laughs> yeah um, um let's dive into this elko a little bit um beautiful tune if i just started now you wanna switch the song and we don't have to get along It's hard to sing it Looking down on mirrors I see it playing back again With little pieces of the boy I'm out of pocket Non-cooperator Hold that thought for a minute You just want me to jump on feet Down into the bottom of the river and it's got this really great story that um, that is kind of the basis of this podcast. And one of the things that you touched on right there is something that I love about music, how an idea, a riff, a lyric can just hibernate 
for who knows how long and then eventually it can resurface and it sounds like you put together some sort of ukulele riff on a trip over to Thailand and then um, that became this beautiful song, kind of the backbone to it. And I'm wondering if you can touch on that a little bit and how this song came together. Yeah, um, well, I didn't want to bring a full-size guitar to Thailand, so I brought a ukulele like many young people do, I'm sure. Um, and I had a lot of downtime, you know, just and you know, you crave stimulation in, in downtime. So I spent a lot of time with the ukulele and I came up with this riff and uh, I went home and brought it back to the boys and everyone loved it. And we, you know, at some point the band was in Australia and we went to a studio and we tracked it and we brought horn players in and this is 2013. And then it just sucked. Something about it just sucked. And then hmm. we went through, we went, uh, and in our own studio, many, many times, many variations, arrangement changes like you wouldn't believe, just trying, oh, what if this is four bars longer? What if this is four bars shorter? And just pulling our hair out on and off for years until eventually it was in the graveyard, which is like the bottom corner of our double whiteboard, which is reserved for songs that like are basically never yeah it's a graveyard they're basically dead and <laughs> the only thing that's keeping them alive is the fact that they're still written down somewhere because as soon as you erase it off that it's like into the ether never to be heard from again and everyone will forget it and god oh. knows what is what is there in the ether now but the graveyard they're still there um and so when we uh you know wanted to do this fourth record we we went to a, a our friend producer and we said you know here's like 80 demos or 50 demos or however many we sent him and he said just no preferences tell us what you like and he came yeah. back with these i don't know 20 25 songs that he liked and alco was one of them and that adding that guy kind of renewed some energy okay someone a third party has seen something promising in this in this song let's let's give it another swing yeah did it have any resemblance to what we're hearing oh yeah like that, that oh, riffs always stayed through. Um, you know, the bridge changed a little bit. The lyrics back then in 2013, it was almost 100% gibberish. And that's how I start writing generally is just, you know, just, yeah. And then um, accidentally I'll say a word and then I identify a theme like that. It was almost 100% gibberish, which is also a really hard mountain to climb when you have all of the song done all of the syllabic phrasing on all of the melodies done, but none of the words done, you're setting yourself up for a very challenging thing to fit <laughs> words into syllables that you've already decided the length of and the sound of. And, you know, um, do you think the opposite of that is easier? Uh, I cannot. To write music around the syllables that you've already created with the lyrics? With the Bernie, the Bernie Toppin, Elton John method, I, I, yeah. I've never been able to do that. Yeah, I find that really interesting. So what is the um, one of the things that I'm hearing is I, I'm very curious when I first put on this album and especially the first song and I'll kind of get into my what happened to me when I was listening to this front to back. But we're all products of our environment, right? And it, there's so much different potential influences that I hear from you guys in this album. And it just got me kind of wondering, what were you guys listening to during the recording of it, if anything? I mean, I you know, a lot of pro athletes, when they go into like the playoffs or something, they'll be like, I'm going dark. It's just me, my team, my family, no social media, nothing. I'm not reading any news. 
maybe you guys go into that kind of thing. But, you know, whenever I've been in the middle of writing something or preparing for something, I'm usually trying to like take an influence for inspiration. And I'm wondering if you guys had something like that going on where you were and you can kind of reflect back on it and be like, oh, there is a little bit of that in there. I think that uh, there is natural influences that are like too numerous to even name and often like subconsciously they just come through. Yeah. But during the, I, I like to stay dark too during the recording process. Like I like, I, I like to think there's a, there's a time for um, planting and there's a time for harvesting. And when you're in the studio, I like, that's like pure harvesting. I don't want any more stimulation input necessarily. And the producer might pull up, you know, Bonnie Vera or Michael Kiwanuka or God knows what else, like Caribou or something. And be like, listen to this, listen to this, the way they did this and, and, and that. But that's more for like tone sculpting or something on the engineering side. Um, but by the time we're in the studio, I like to just pull from within and then, you know, chisel and put the finishing touches on. Because um, sometimes it can be overwhelming. Like you, you I don't want to be overstimulating. I want to, after a long day in the studio, I, I don't even, I don't want to take in more stimulation. I want to go back the next day and feel like, I've denied myself, you know, the simulation. So when I hear something in the studio, I'm like, oh, like this, this feels good. Not like I've been listening to music and TV all night and, and you know, I'm kind of tired. My ears are tired. My brain is tired. You know? Yeah. Do you think that that, in, that kind of method helps you creatively more so than because you're taking away those distractions and not necessarily relying on what could be outside influences? It's It's actually kind of surprising to me because I feel like a lot of people will rely on that um, throughout the recording process, but I could definitely see the way that just being in here for that segment of time just allows that pure creative energy to come through. And I'm wondering, like, did you kind of learn that through the years or did that come naturally? That just feels like what I feel like doing. Um, but honestly, my process is deeply flawed and, and it is not <laughs> consistently deeply flawed. It's flawed in different ways at different times. And I, Part of the reason why I think it, I'm still in the game is because I can't, I can't figure it out, and it always hmm. changes. You know, when I'm, I oh I'll be like at home, and I've been home for too long. It's too my life is kind of the same thing every day. Maybe I should go traveling or something. And I go traveling, and I think oh this is good, but I can't wait to get home to start working. And and then you know I go home again, and I'm like oh the, I kind of want to go traveling again. And the, the muse is like. It always wants something more of something different. Yeah. So at some point you have to say enough and you sit, you just have to sit down and do the work because the muse wants to keep you, it wants to feed itself, but it, it, it also wants to keep you distracted too. And, you know, I think a lot of people will find songwriting, even songwriters will find songwriting very taxing and very difficult. You know, I often don't want to do it, but I feel so much better when I've, done it stay tuned for more song facts podcast right after this hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of raycons 
Yeah. Even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. I got to imagine that you're looking back at this and, and I would just, you guys should just be so proud of what you've put together here. I mean, this there's so many different sounds and stuff like that. And I'll kind of get into what I heard and I'd like to get your reaction to it because I hear immediately, first track comes on, boom, my head goes radio head. don't know if that's what you guys had in mind there but there's just these syncopated beats there's all these different elements and layers to this first track on the album and i'm just like that's what first popped into my head then i get a little bit further into it and you've got some more like ambient guitar riffs and things like that where i'm thinking the edge and i'm thinking you too i'm hearing like some Coldplay stuff like that in there and i'm just I'm just that's where I was just like what were these guys like listening to this or did this just kind of naturally occur and I love that it sounds to me like it just kind of naturally occurred what do you think about that is that does that resonate with you at all like do you hear any of that or do you just hear half moon run (laughs) I I don't intentionally go in with any any idea to be like I want this to be like like these guys do it or these or these people do it i just yeah. i go in and do like whatever whatever i want to do and whatever i think sounds good i mean as a as a teenager and in my early 20s i was crazy about radiohead that definitely i can't help it it's like in my dna now um it's gonna come through yeah and i'm i've never been like a pure cold player youtube fan per se but i've definitely heard their music in my life you know as as most people have um and I think that everything, including pop music that, you know, when I was a dishwasher and I had to listen to the, you know, the pop radio station every day and the same hits, Katy Perry, whatever, that's somewhere inside me. It lives and sometimes it comes out. Uh, what are you going to do? That's just <laughs> that's how it is. You're a product of your environment to some degree. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? I'm happy you said that because I spent quite a few years working in the kitchen as a dishwasher through high school and um 
that radio station just pumped out the hits nonstop. I think my days were like Shakira, Britney Spears, NSYNC, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, I carry that somewhere in the subconscious. Yeah. Where it comes (laughs) Um, out in your writing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, It's Half Moon Run. The new album is Salt. It's coming out June 2nd. What's a song on the album that now that you guys are on the other side of and you're, you're gearing up towards the release that maybe has grown on you more than others, where at first you thought, eh, and now you're looking back and listening and you're just like, that's a good song. Um, everyone's moving out east. As one friend tried to explain As one friend went down to take a lover Um, okay why uh well at first it was i mean i i wrote most of it um myself and then i kind of brought it in and and the band played some of it um but it felt like a departure from what we normally do and maybe i don't know it just the, the climate in the studio was such that you know maybe it wasn't that good maybe it wouldn't make the record but um when we've done preliminary listen backs with uh, industry partners it's been like very impactful and very emotional and people people project parts of their own lives onto it and you know make some people weepy and stuff and and mm. i and I just shot a music video for a couple of days ago um as a result of all this feedback and i you know i'm i just i really i really like it i think the i think it's solid now, if you get into a situation like that where you go into a room and you kind of clear your mind of any sort of expectation and play the music and kind of watch people's natural reactions to it, I want to relate that towards the music video that you just shot because you're saying that this is having some sort of emotional impact on people. Did you guys have an idea for this music video and then maybe you go in and see the way that the song is having an impact and be like, Maybe we should like kind of change our idea a little bit. The song seems to be doing this, whereas we thought it was doing this. Um, we hadn't. We weren't going to release the song. Um, yeah. Like uh, as a single, but now we are in two days as a result of the feedback. And so we decided after getting that feedback, we're like, well, we should film the music video for the single release in two days. And uh, so the, the the music video is is simple. I mean, there's this there's this kind of this intersection that it occupies somewhere between like beauty, sadness, and yearning, and and we kind of wanted to be like, well, it's the kind of that feeling of someone you love going away, or maybe you're going away and you're leaving someone behind, or you want to go with someone but you can't, and um, and so what if you're just we're just driving away and, and it's just each of us individually in the same car, which is kind of counterintuitive, I know, but um, driving, driving away, kind of. Um, yeah. And it's it's very simple concept. And it's, you know, it's something similar has been done before, surely, but it was, I think it pairs well. And it, and it elevates that feeling, hopefully. Can't wait to see it. Um, 
I've got one more for you. I like to keep these, you know, somewhat short and sweet. But thank you for like digging in and getting into some of these for me because I, this is when I'm listening to this. The fact that I get that I'm fortunate enough to be able to now listen to these albums and these songs and then actually talk to the people creating them and try and get some of the questions that I have answered. Like it's a dream come true. I grew up my entire life like pondering lyrics and the stories behind these things, and I, I just absolutely love it. So I do appreciate that. Oh, my pleasure. Indeed. You have wonderful questions. Thank you. Um, okay, there's this incredible song on this album called Nine Beat. Not only is this song just insanely easy to listen to, last night my wife and I were sitting here trying to um, like put travel plans together. We've got to go to a wedding over in England later this summer. And I put on the album while we're doing this. Nine Beat comes on. She just kind of stops like, what is this? I mean, I, it's just a beautiful, beautiful piece of music. And it seems to have a great story behind it. Um, with you being diligent and literally going through and scraping the bottom of the barrel for music, it sounds like. So I was wondering if you could dig into that a little bit, share a little bit of that story and, and how Nine Beat came together. Yeah, well, Nine Beat, well, it's called Nine Beat because it's in a, a very strange um, time signature, nine over four, which is very, I've never heard another song in that except maybe some tool, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's strange, but it works, man. It really works. And so it's hard to, it's hard to put music to a signature like that and make it feel natural without sounding like uh, an annoying prog rock group or something. Um, so that took a lot of massaging to get to find chords and the, 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 the time that you play the chords and for how long and, and just make it feel natural. Um, and that took like on and off for a few years to try and find something that, that worked. Um, and then we kept just like alcohol, we kept putting it away and be like, oh, we keep running into the same blocks. We pull it up a few later, a few years later, and we come in the same the same issues. And eventually, we had piled up 104 um, two track recordings of this song <laughs> that, that I had archived. And one day, I went through and went through every single one, the whole thing. I didn't fast forward, and I listened wow. to any arrangements that felt like they were elevated, or any kind of just lyrics that I happen to shout out from the, the ether, from the gibberish I'd been singing to just, oh, that's nice. Like, well, you know, uh, Beacon of Good Hope came up, you know, and I was like, oh, that's, that's, what the hell is that? That's cool. What do I even mean there? Okay, that, maybe that's a theme. Um, and then I, again, when we when we showed our big batch of demos to uh, Connor Seidel, our producer, he's, he flagged that one as, as having, much like your wife did, as having, ooh, like what's, what's going on there? And we thought, oh God, he's picked that one. This is... You know, what have we done? We shouldn't have showed it to him. But we managed to find an arrangement with, with his guidance that really, um, that, that did it for us, finally. And it's so good to have that out after struggling with it for that many years. Um, and yeah, again, it's one of those songs that's kind of like, it's, it's a bit manic, but it's also like, it's sad and it's yearning and it's, and it, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's a mix of a lot of different things. 
it's a bit of a juxtaposition happening just a juxtaposition happening um yeah i'm really happy. I'm really i'm really curious if you guys you guys are going out on tour um coming up here and are you guys going out as a three-piece? I'm just so curious how the band would put together some of these songs on stage as a three-piece. It's almost like, you know, the the best comparison I can think of is once the Beatles stopped touring and they went into the studio and just started making all their layered tracks and just kind of pushing the elements of the technology at that point in time. And then they were like, yeah, we really probably couldn't go out on stage and do this as a four-piece. And I'm curious if you guys have put any thought into that or if you guys are just kind of bringing a touring band behind you so that you can bring in all the elements. Um, no, we're, we're, we're three-piecing it. Occasionally, we will bring the string quartet for added texture and, and you know, our wonderful players. But no, it's all three-piece, and we don't use tracks um, because it sucks to play with. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know if your listeners know what that is. That's when you're playing along with music from the computer. Um, a lot of people do that. But mm-hmm. uh, no, no judgment against them. We just don't like it. Um, so we, we basically... Uh, we sample the sounds um, onto keyboards and then we play the keyboard parts of, and that allows for a lot more sounds than you would normally have. But everything you see is live and we make it work and we skip some stuff, which you may or may not notice. We skip some parts that we just can't play. I mean, Dylan's playing, you know, he's playing snare with his foot some of the time, um, which is normally played with your hand and um, everybody's singing all the time. It's, it's, Everyone's very, very busy. I mean, if you've got one hand free, maybe you're not working hard enough, you know? That's, that's my thought is we've got, three, we've got three band members, so we've got 12 limbs, and uh, yeah. everyone better be using every single one of those at every point yeah. in time. <laughs> at some point, I have to hit my guitar on a cymbal. Um, you know, there's all kinds, of, uh, all kinds of shenanigans we have to get through. But I think that's why a lot of people liked it, like our show, because it's kind of a, a bit of a circus act to get through for us. Yeah, and I got to imagine for you guys, it keeps you really engaged. I mean, if you're just sitting back playing the same guitar riff over and over again, night after night, that can probably get a little bit old. But when you're doing it this way with this much layering that you guys have, I mean, you've got to be pinpoint focus for that entire set. And um, I wish it was coming to Colorado, but uh, I will try and find you guys. We will do our part, um, putting in some stuff in the show notes so that people can click, find the tour. The album is called Salt, June 2nd. Devin Portillier, thank you so much, man. This was awesome. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it also. Thanks a lot. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Devin for coming on and chatting with me and opening up about their craft and just for making this beautiful music and this beautiful album. I really hope you go check it out. It's called Salt. It's dropping June 2nd. And as always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.